try that, the second verse, a little lower. Um, wow. <laughs> and it, it's almost like somebody shouting in your ear for the whole, like, from after Halloween or, is it Halloween or Thanksgiving that the music starts now? It's Halloween, yeah, because I remember walking into Walmart and it's all right there. And it's, you know, peace on earth and joy and everything else until the day after Christmas. And then you're pushing with people to get in line further to return the stuff that you got that didn't fit or wasn't the right size or you didn't want in the first place or whatever. And it all sort of... You know, well, we're done with that stuff now. Let's go ahead and put it in the closet and we'll pull it out of the attic next year and complain that the music started too early or complain that, you know, there are Christmas trees in Walmart way too early or, or what have you. Um, and it shouldn't be that way. It really shouldn't be that way. It should be something that, that means something, that means something throughout the year, that means something to, to who we are or else it's just a ritual we do, Right. I, it drove me nuts for years and years. I would, um, I, I went to churches on and off that that they had rituals, and the rituals just when you were done, that was it. And and it it never translated into who I was, and it never translated into who people were. And and at the end of the day, like that's not what God intended. I think God could probably create beings to just recite lines to Him, right? He's got angels that sing to him all the time. And so as we dive into this, um, I'm going to skip over my first slide there. Um, as we dive into this evening, we're going to be talking about joy to the world, the, the fact that God intended joy. He intended a celebration to come out of this. And, and from before Jesus was born, from well before Jesus was born, actually from the very beginning when the fall happened, God started to, this plan. He put it into action, and he got the ball rolling. And his plan the whole time was to fix it through Jesus. And Christmas was sort of like God's D-Day, right? Where he shows up in our world and, and you know, I, there's probably a lot less cannon fire in the original nativity. Um, but, but God arrives in our world. He becomes one of us. He steps into the creation. And, and even like, so the fall happens. And one of the first things he tells Mary, um, he says, listen, your seed, your child will we'll fix this. And you know what? He will crush Satan's head, the serpent's head, and, and the serpent will strike his heel. And it's the first time we see a prediction of what's coming. And that's thousands and thousands of years before Jesus was born. Um, we're looking at Isaiah for this passage, and this is about 700 years before Jesus' birth. Um, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. And it's a big deal because Emmanuel, the word, means God is with us. Right and and 700 years beforehand, um, and Isaiah is a pretty cool book because he predicts all sorts of things really accurately. But in this one, he predicts Jesus coming. 
He says, you know, God will give you this sign. The virgin will have a child, and you will be God with you. And that's what's going to happen. And God literally shows up on his D-Day without cannons. Um, In Ezekiel, we see, and I will give you a new heart, a new spirit. I will put within you, um, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now, check this out. Raise your hands real quick. Have you all ever known anybody who was so angry and bitter that it's like they were frozen inside? Or like they were so just stuck in life that it was like they were dead inside and they never moved forward? And and Ezekiel, who's about a generation after Isaiah, um, you know, 600-ish years before Jesus was born, says God's plan, God's like ultimate goal is to take the heart in us that's broken, that's, that's stuck, that's frozen solid, that, that's malfunctioning, and he's going to pull it out and he's going to give us something better. He's going to give us hearts that are soft, hearts that can receive God's word, hearts that feel like deep down um, the passion that God has for us, for the creation, for, for holiness, for all of these things. And so like Ezekiel predicts it, um, and he calls it out. God begins to like give this message early. Uh, we're going to go back to Isaiah. Um, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has, set me, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of faint spirit, that he may be that we may be that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now this is Jesus speaking, like he's predicting Jesus' word. And Jesus quotes this passage when he starts his ministry. Like it's one of the first things that Jesus says publicly. He gets up in a synagogue and he reads this passage and he says, Today it starts. Um, and God's predicting a change. He's not predicting a stressful season of hanging up tinsel and grinding our teeth because we're tired of hearing dogs barking out jingle bells on the radio. You know, he's not predicting like, oh, Black Friday, I got to get up really early on Thanksgiving so I can buy the cheap stuff so that I don't spend too much on my family members. Um, he's not predicting that. He's predicting a whole new order of things. And so as we, um, as we hear our next song, Adam has a song for us. He's going uh, to play an instrumental for us. And um, as Adam plays for us, um, keep in mind that where we're going with this, we're going to be looking at how God fixes it how God brings a brand new world to us. And he predicted it hundreds of years beforehand, and it should be happening now in our hearts.
So the night that Jesus was born, um, we, we see a story that to us, I think, maybe loses some of its uh, impact because we didn't live in, I mean, I don't know, maybe Craig's probably old enough to have lived in ancient Israel, but um, most of us aren't, aren't quite old enough to have experienced it. Um, Luke tells the story, and you've probably heard the whole version on the Charlie Brown Christmas special every year since you were about five. Um, but Luke tells a story of shepherds who were out tending their flocks at night. And so these shepherds are sitting out in the cold, um, and, they're, and they're watching their flocks. And now, for an ancient reader, they would read that, and like shepherds were not well thought of, right? They were, they were sort of less trusted than used car salesmen are now. Like, um, shepherds were not allowed to testify in court because the assumption is that they were always lying. Um, and they had no credibility. And, and so these shepherds, they're out there, and, and they're considered to be kind of the least religious people in the world because if you leave your sheep, what happens to them? They become somebody else's sheep. <laughs> or they get eaten, or what have you. And so they never went to temple. And in fact, um, in the ancient world, it was a practice where they would bury shepherds with handfuls of wool so that they could show it to like <laughs> show it to God when they get there. Hey, this is my excuse. You know? um, so these shepherds are out in this field, and an angel appears to them. I mean, I, I'm guessing it's about Montana dark, right? You know, when you go out into the country and you sit out at night and it is black dark. And so these shepherds are sitting out watching their flocks, and suddenly the sky is light up. Um, and and it starts with one angel who who shows up and announces. Um, fear not. Now, it's funny that he starts with fear not because they're sitting in the dark and all of a sudden, boom! You know, in a booming voice of an angel, like, cries out and, oh my gosh, you know, I, I'm guessing that, that fear was probably top on the list. Um, but he says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Um, he goes on and he says, um, for unto you this day is born um, in Bethlehem, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Like, the people who got the initial baby announcement were guys who lived outside, probably stunk to high heaven, right? Because sheep are gross. Um, and nobody trusted them. Um, but he announces it as a great gift, right? And he announces it not to kings, not to the priests, not to the religious elite, not to anybody like that. He announces it to the lowest people in their culture, like the guys on the bottom rung. Why did he start there? Because you know what? These guys getting good news, it means a lot more to them, right? Bill Gates wins a car. Eh, I'm sure he doesn't care. I win a car, it's a big deal. <laughs> you, you give somebody, you know, a poor guy something great, it's a big deal. Um, and for these, for these shepherds, and actually for all of us, this is a big deal. It's a huge announcement. Because it's something, it's God stepping into our world to make the wrong things right. It's God stepping into the world to make it possible for those of us who aren't perfect. Anybody here perfect? You might be in the wrong church. <laughs> My daughter raised her hand. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Um, <laughs> so, moving right along. <laughs> um, Matthew, uh, uh, in the announcement of... of um, the angel, like the angel comes to Mary and, and says to Mary, uh, or actually to Joseph. So Mary and Joseph are engaged, and the angel appears to Joseph and says, she will bear a son, meaning, hey, guess what? Your fiance is pregnant. I know, you know, this is going to freak you out. But he, she'll bear a son who shall be called, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save, their peop- save his people from their sins. Um, so when the angel goes, what, she, what he announces is, not that, like, hey, you're going to have this son who's going to be a great doctor or lawyer. You're going to have a son who's going to be wealthy. You're going to have a son that's one thing or another. He announces that your son will save people from their sins. Um, and it's gotten into this habit. Like, we, our culture has gotten into this habit where sometimes people view Jesus as, and Jesus' followers as folks who stand around and, like, announce judgment for sin. And ultimately, what we celebrate on Christmas, why it's such good news, is that Jesus provides a way for the worst people Um, and for the not-so-worst people, for everybody who needs him, like for everybody who needs an escape and needs forgiveness and needs hope and needs grace to get it. And so the greatest gift we can receive is forgiveness from our guilt, and we get it on Christmas. And that's the announcement the angel brought. Um, 
I wanted to close up with James, like, and, and this is, James was Jesus' half-brother, um, and he wrote, uh, this is probably about uh, 30, 40, probably about 40, 45 years after Jesus' birth. He wrote, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Um, what James is writing there is, what he's saying is, when God gives a gift, right, when you receive a great gift, it's coming from God. Now, that's quite a statement for a guy to say, hey, you know what, my brother was a good gift. Um, but he was. Like every good and perfect gift, the gift that we receive, the grace that we receive um, on Christmas was a great gift. Um, we're going to continue to continue to sing with Rachel, actually, is going to do a song with us. I wanted to say as they're coming up, I was singing and I sing off key. And, and I had the Anderson family singers like behind me and to the right. And so I'm off key and like butchering the song. And they sound like perfect. Um, it was like standing in front of a choir. <laughs>
this afternoon, um, my, uh, my wife was baking, right, and cooking. She spent a big chunk of the afternoon cooking. And um, my kids were doing their best to make it more difficult. I don't know if you all are familiar with it. <laughs> but, but at one point in time, and I don't know how this happened or how they survived it, um, they, uh, they had hauled out, they have these rocking horses, and, and somehow Abby managed to receive two rocking horses for Christmas last year. I don't even know what made that happen. But, but they had hauled them out, and they were in the middle of the kitchen floor, and they're rocking back and forth. And I know the baby fell off. I don't know how he managed to get on that thing in the first place, but he's screaming, and Abby's... <laughs> I, she is perfect. Thank you, honey. And... <laughs> Abby's literally crossing the floor on the rocking horse. You're not supposed to be able to move on them, but the linoleum, and you get a good movement going. And, and I'm watching these things, and, and a year ago they were brand new. And the horse, which Abby plays, um, plays with pretty frequently, is, is kind of in rough shape. The saddle's gone already, and, like, the bridle's broken. And cover her ears. Just cover them. All right, it used to sing, and, like, somehow that got broken. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and, and it's just not in the condition that it was. And, and like, like it was this brand new pristine rocking horse. And then my child got a hold of it. And now it's a pretty neat toy still, but it's kind of in rough shape, right? Like it's not what it was. Um, as we look at the people around us, as we look at, at, at the world around us, it was designed to be a perfect, a perfect world. And we were designed to be perfect people, Right. Um, some of us are married to folks who don't know that that's not true anymore. But because sin has entered the world, because the world is fallen and broken, it just doesn't work that way anymore. People, people don't last forever, right? Um, they don't live forever. We were designed to live forever. And that's why when people are gone, it feels wrong. You know what I mean? Deep down, there's this part of you that's like, this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is wrong. You know, and... and People hurt each other, which is not the way it's meant to be. Like, we live in a world that's just imperfect. And like that rocking horse, every year it's going to get a little more worn out and a little more worn out. And the happy song it sings like, you know, we're going to get tired of it and pull the batteries out. And the, <laughs> the, the handles we hold on to to keep from falling off are going to disappear. And before long, like, the little studs that hold it to the rocker are going to be gone. And it's just the way the world is. And it's, it's crummy, Right? Um, the promise we get and the gift that we get beyond God showing up and being one of us, beyond him walking in our shoes and seeing the world the way we see it, um, through Jesus, God makes everything brand new. Um, in Isaiah, we see one of the early predictions for this, and I quote this in sermons a lot, so my, my regulars are going to roll their eyes. Um, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Um, in Christ, in Jesus, on that day, that Christmas day, the first candle was lit, right? You ever sit in a dark room and see a candle lit? Nothing better than the sound of that match striking and the noise as it starts up. Um, the world has gone dark. God's like presence had gone distant. And in Jesus, he steps into the world and it begins to light up again. And the folks who hadn't been able to see hope or see good things, we're able to see it again. Um, and slowly, through like the spreading of the light, like through the Holy Spirit, through people being redeemed and being made new, that light is spread. And today we live in a world where we know, where we know that God is going to set it right in the end, where we know that Jesus is coming back. Um, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. What he's talking about is all of the junk we carry around. Anybody got a basket full of junk you carry around? Like the, the stuff you regret and the stuff you're ashamed of and the stuff you wish you could undo and the stuff you wish you could do but it's passed and now you can't do anything about it? All of that stuff, God takes it away. Um, and the gift he gives us is a reset, right? Brand new, out of the box, the way your heart was meant to be reset. And in the long run, right? After the world is gone, after everything is, is, is over, after the sun is burnt out, after the stars blink quiet, after it's all done, God will bring us all back. Every one of us will stand brand new the way we are meant to be, the way we are created to be, because 
because that baby was born in a barn 2,000 years ago. God gives us the gift of brand new um, and hope in that. Um, when we sit at a funeral, we know our brother or sister or father or uncle or cousin or friend or whoever it is will come back. Um, when we fail and we fall on our face, we know that God will make it right. Um, and you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. This is Paul again. What's he saying? He's saying, as new creations, we're able to be different, right? We're able to be new people. We're able to carry God's love, and people are able to look at us and say, that is a guy who, I don't know what he's got, but I want it. Remember when I first started going to church, I was like 15, and I, I went to a church picnic, and they didn't do anything particularly spectacular. The egg salad wasn't that good. Um, the volleyball game that we played wasn't particularly terrific, but the people were like nobody I'd ever met in my life. And I looked at them, and I said, I don't know what you got, but I want it. I want to be a part of it. Why? Because they were a love letter written by God um, through Jesus on their hearts because he made them new, and I got to see it and say, man, I want that. Every one of us has the opportunity to be that person. Christmas should change everything because, like, Jesus came to make us a love letter to the creation, to the lost people, to the people who are stony-hearted. He's created us to just shine out that light. Um, Jeremy wrote a song for this Sunday. I'm going to call him up as I kind of... Um, and so the big gift, right? It's forgiveness and being made new. It's resurrection at the end of time, literally coming back. Um, and it's the fact that we're able to carry God's love around and share it with the folks that we encounter. Hey, I'm going to move this over for you. I still haven't tripped over anything that's hurting figures. How's it going? I uh, actually wrote this song on Sunday night at about 11 p.m. It's called Awe of You. Enjoy. <clears throat> Your 
And, and the photo of him sitting next to it on the floor is the most contact he had with that stupid toy for almost six more months. Um, he, however, enjoyed unwrapping it, and he enjoyed playing with the wrapping paper. And he played with that wrapping paper most of the day until we threw it away, and then he was pretty upset. Um, as cool as the gift was, and it was a really cool gift because I picked it, um, the wrapping paper is what he got excited about. And isn't that the way with kids, right? The box and the paper, and you give it to them, and, and off they go, right? Um, the danger that we face at Christmas, um, the temptation and the potential like, like tragedy of it is God gives us this amazing gift, right? He gives us his son. He gives us God in our... In his, thank you, Carly. I assume you're taking my child and throwing them in the street or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, the, amazing, the amazing gift that God gives us, the potential is that we sit next to it and we pick out, like, the trappings and play with them, right? Oh, I love the Christmas cookies, and oh, I love the, the cake, and I, I really love the parties, and I really love decorating the tree, and I really love doing all of these things. This is the stuff I'm going to focus on, and when I'm done, that's it. And, and we don't go beyond it um, because we leave the toy sitting. In this case, it, it's the gift that God gives us on Christmas, the thing that we're here to celebrate. One of the promises that the psalmist gives us, um, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. With my glory, 
that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Um, What David is talking about here is he's writing, um, he's talking about how God has this potential to turn our our saddest days into the best celebration we ever had. Um, To turn the biggest disasters we have into the moments of deepest and most profound hope. Um, and, and this is Christmas, right? Um, God gives us the potential for dancing when there was mourning and hope where there isn't, light in the darkness. Um, but it's so easy to play with the wrapping paper because it's so much fun. And, man, ribbons are great because I swear my daughter still has some from last Christmas that she plays with. I don't even understand that. Um, <laughs> but we can get lost in it. Um, the real amazing thing with Christmas, um, again, Jeremiah is about a generation after Isaiah, and he writes, Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men the, the young men and old shall be merry, and I will turn their mourning into joy, and I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. He's predicting the coming of Jesus, and he's predicting the product of Jesus' life. Um, that was, I mean, literally this gift that we were given on Christmas. Um, we're given the gift of joy, given the gift of happiness, but we have to, have to, have to bring it with us. We can't leave it sit. Um, for you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth in singing, and the trees of the field shall clap their hands. This is from Isaiah. Again, it's predicting the life of Jesus, and what he's saying is not only will people sing and praise God and worship and be excited, but like the whole creation will. The whole creation will sing out. Everything that was made will be like made new and rejoice in the gift that we're given. And so, like my encouragement and my challenge for you this morning or this evening, wow, um, is as you go out as you enjoy Christmas. First off, enjoy it to the fullest, right? Like enjoy the heck out of it because it's awesome. Like Christmas is one of the best times of the year, isn't it? But after tomorrow when you've tossed out the paper and when you're trying to figure out where to set the tree on fire in the yard so you don't set the house on fire, and when you're, when you're trying to stuff the, the ornaments back into the attic and everything else, when you're, when you're getting it all like lined up to get into New Year, um, don't leave it behind. God created us for so much more than that. Um, and the gift we receive is, is literally joy to the world, joy that we have and joy that we're like, called to share, um, joy that we're called to spread. Um, and so as you go out of here this evening, we're going to do, I think we have one more song, and we got, I'm going to talk one more time, sorry. Yeah, come on up. <laughs> um, I'm going to talk one more time, and we're going to sing one more song after that, and we'll be done. Um, as you go out of here today, as you go home, as you drink your eggnog, as you enjoy your Christmas Eve celebration, as you do the things that you're going to do, um, keep this in your heart and your mind. This is meant to change you. God didn't do this just so that we could have Christmas sales. He did it so that he could change our lives and change our world.
Thank you, Rebecca. We, uh, we are going to close uh, with candle lighting. If you all can stand up, um, and somebody's going to get the lights for me. Let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you just for the gift that you give us on Christmas. I thank you that you give us hope and peace and, and joy and, and literally a new beginning. Uh, we thank you for that and praise you for the gift that you give us. And We say hallelujah that your son was born not in a castle, not in a palace, not surrounded by wealth and opulence, but in the lowest place. And that he lived in the lowest spots, the same as we do, Lord. We praise you that, that you see the world through eyes of flesh, like Job said, and that you know what we experience. And we say hallelujah and we thank you. I pray, Lord, that this season would change us, that we would become new creations, that we would respond to it and be exactly what we were meant to be, Lord. That we wouldn't play with the paper and the box, but that we would take this great gift and put it in our hearts and become new. Amen. We're going to sing uh, Silent Night. And uh, um, we're going to share the, the flame for the candles. As we, uh, as we do this, um, one of the things that we're, we're doing here, one of the things that we're representing, one of the things that we're reflecting is the fact that this is a gift that, um, first off, that goes with us every day, goes with us out of here, goes with us into our families and our interactions. And it should be a gift that is contagious. It should be a gift that as that fire burns and warms our hearts and our lives, other folks touch with us and lights them up. And before you know it, there's light everywhere where there used to be darkness. There's brightness where there used to be gloom. There's God's grace and love where there used to be cold and, and empty and lifeless, just junk. So let's sing. Um, we're going to close with a blessing, and we have one more song, right? Hold on to your candles. Don't blow them out just yet. Um, bow your heads and receive a blessing. Um, may the God of peace, who sent his Son to create peace, uh, create joy and create new life in you. May you take this gift, and may you carry it everywhere you go. 
May it be the gift that keeps on giving all year long and on into eternity. Amen. year we do the same thing um not the same thing every year we do this kind of as a uh, as a merry christmas to you hanging on the tree off to the left there are christmas ornaments um this time for this evening we have hearts uh glass hearts there's also um christmas trees and some other ornaments from previous sermons um but as you head out if if this is a gift you want to take with you if if god has kind of spoken to you a bit today um if if you recognize that you need a new start, um, grab an ornament off the tree, hang it up, put it on your rearview mirror. Um, I actually got in somebody's car last June and saw one of my Christmas ornaments. Um, take it with you, put it somewhere where it'll speak to you. Put it somewhere where God can remind you and nudge you every now and again that you know maybe it's time to break out what God has given you on Christmas and enjoy some joy to the world in January or February or July or August. And my son's about to start singing on the microphone. Thank you. Um, so enjoy the gift. If you want to take one of the other uh, 